Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'll be reading the 23rd Psalm this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. These verses will be on the screen. If you don't have your Bible with you, but I want you to trust that God wants to speak to you today from His Word. Because here's what I know. From the front of the room all the way to the sound booth, everybody that is here needs to hear from God today. Everybody has situations that need God's help. Everybody has something that they're going through, that they've been through, or that they're going to go through, that you need God to be speaking to you and helping you throughout the way. Can somebody say amen? So let's focus today. The Bible says when we come together as a corporate body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we should pay attention to the reading of the word and the teaching of the word. And we look to do that today. Follow along with me as I read in Psalm 23, 1, the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord Forever, I want to preach to you this morning from a question. Are you running on empty? Oh, man, if you, were all, if you came in the way I'm praying, we come in one day. One day there's going to be enough people in this room that have spent all week long fasting and praying, rejoicing and praising, worshiping and loving on God and just filled up to the top. If, if you were just in tune with the Holy Spirit the way we should be, that question alone ought to put 99.99% of all Christians in the world on the altar, begging God for overflow. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your grace and your goodness, and I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would be our teacher today from your word by your spirit. God, I pray that you would anoint me to say the things that would honor you and be sound doctrine. God, I pray you'd give each one of us a unique ability today to focus and to learn what you would have us to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now let me check before I get into this because I don't want anybody to be distracted. Uh, can't nobody in this room be cold. How many people in this room are hot? I'm about to, ain't it hot in here? Man, you always right there. I'm just about to faint in this heat. Uh, what, we got heat running in here? Y'all ain't hot? Just me. Amen. Y'all sitting up in here in jackets. I'm about to show. Uh, can I preach topless? 
I'm just kidding. The Bible says, I guarantee you, if I stripped out of this shirt right now, huh? Clear it right out. Somebody might throw money on the altar. You never know. (laughs) I'm going to leave my shirt on, but I want you to lock in spiritually. And I want you to not let the temperature, the people around you, who's here and who's not here, cause any level of distraction for you today because I want you to have enough humility to, to, to say this and to mean it. I need the Lord. Go ahead and say it. I need the Lord. Amen. We're going to look to what, what I believe is one of the most comforting passages in all of Scripture. It's, it's beautiful. It's poetic. Uh, it's, it's comforting, and it's filled with amazing truth. For decades, I've been uh, preaching at funerals. And, you know, different people have funerals different ways. And some people, you know, have the inside service and then they have the graveside service. Uh, My graveside service is not the sermon part B, ever. when When I preach a funeral... I I preach the gospel. I give people a chance to respond, to receive Christ, because there's always people at at a funeral that um, typically don't go to church. I remember when uh, our former worship minister, Jeff Harris, when we had his funeral here, Jeff was big into golf, and he had three of his unchurched golfing buddies show up, and all three of them prayed to receive Christ, along with about 11 other people that day. I think we had 14 people pray to receive Christ. So I, when I preach uh, a funeral, I, I don't just, you know, I'm not doing a funeral. I'm preaching the gospel for people uh, to have a chance to respond to Christ. But uh, that day we didn't have a graveside. Sometimes people leave and they go to the graveside. I don't preach a second message at the graveside. Um, it's, it's my tradition to read the 23rd Psalm because I find so much comfort in it, and I want to comfort the family, and I just believe this is one of the most comforting six verses in all of Scripture. And I want us to look at these verses today, but I want to restate the, the title of the message for you because if you don't get anything, I want you to honestly deal with this question Are you running on empty? And if, and if I was just to, I mean, if, if I had a truth on meter and I could see if you were telling me the truth, I'd just start with Alfred and, and just work all the way around the room uh, to, to Rick in the sound booth and, and just, just see where you are. Are you running on empty? Is your tank full? Is your tank empty? Let me tell you this. If your tank's not full, you're running out of gas. Are you following me? From the time you fill up. To the time you pull away from the park, in the natural, you're running out of gas that whole time. Uh, and, and some of y'all, uh, y- y'all wait till the very last drop to put gas in your tank. There's dangers about running out of gas. Now, and, and I've taught my sons, when, when I was growing up, when some of y'all my age, uh, y'all had cars with carburetors too, just like me. And if you ran out of gas in a car with a carburetor, wasn't that much big of a deal. You just put some gas in it, throw a splash of gas in the carburetor, crank it right up and go on about your business. Isn't it right, Alfred? That's just, that, that's, just, that's just how you do it. But in today's world, if you run out of gas in a car today with fuel injectors, you dry out that line, it shuts the whole system down. you got to go to a car dealership and get a massive repair. 
What, what am I telling you? Don't run out of gas. Uh, I went with my family uh, this, this, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we went up, up north into the mountains in North Carolina, and Deacon Scott was able to go. He didn't typically go with us. He was able to go this year, and he did all of the driving, which I was thankful for because uh, there, there's a, a lot of leg room in the back seat of their van, and I was able to stretch out and relax. And, but Deacon Scott's got a unique way of getting gas. He doesn't let his tank get below a half. He, <laughs> Charity's like, me too. And Rick's like, yes, she does. So some of y'all, listen, I have got that, that digital gauge, and it tells me how many miles I've got left. Listen, don't let that run down into single digits. Y'all need to understand, if you don't know, I'm giving y'all some free car advice this morning. Your car can run out of gas with a whole gallon of gas still in the tank. It just might not pick it up. So anyway, Deacon Scott, was, I mean, he was just getting that gas, getting that gas. And we, we get down close to a half, uh, stop and get that gas because he's used to towing a, tra a camper trailer with him. And you don't want to get on some long stretch of highway with low gas mileage and there not be a gas station. And so he was constantly filling up. And I was thinking about that this week as I prepared for this message. If every Christian in the world filled their spiritual tank up before you got half empty, we'd have a better life. Because there's too many Christians running on empty. And you might not want to admit it, and you might not even see it in your own life, but the reality is there's more people in this room running on empty than want to admit it. There's more people in the body of Christ running on empty or dangerously close to running on empty because, like I said, the minute you pull away from that gas pump, you're running out again. The gas is, it just doesn't fill itself up. And uh, just like Jesus taught first natural, then spiritual, he taught, he talked to farmers in agricultural terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. He talked to fishermen in fishing terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. His teaching style was first natural, then spiritual. And if you can grab hold of the connection between a natural reality and a spiritual truth, it can stick in your spirit and you can learn from it. You don't want your car to run out of gas driving down the road. But even more importantly, you got to understand, there is a running on empty that we do in life. And if you're running out of life's energy, if you're running out of spiritual vitality, you are heading for a problem. And so I got to thinking about that this week, and I, I, I went back to my study notes, and I, I looked at some things about churches, and man, churches are shutting down at a historic rate. I know churches here in the local area that have shut down this year. Uh, they, they blame a lot of it on COVID, but people have been stopping going to church. Uh, church has, attendance has been in decline for years. And that's not to say everybody that comes to church is saved. We know that. Sitting in a church doesn't make you saved any more than sitting in a McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Just coming to church doesn't make you saved. But uh, we, we see less and less people have been coming to church for decades. 2020 on the Gallup survey showed for the first time in American history uh, less than 50% of the people polled 
do not attend church regularly. That's the first time in American history, in a country over 200 years old, for the first time in the history of this country, we have less people going to church than going to church. Then you mix in that with the pandemic, which is a convenient excuse for folk not to come to church. There's so many people quit coming to church when COVID hit that still haven't come back. Um, it, it is just, it's mind numbing. Now, just take this for what it is. They never stopped going to Walmart. They never stopped going to the grocery store. They never stopped getting gas at gas stations. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to belabor that, but just that's just something for you to think about. So I, I'm thinking about all this stuff, and I'm thinking I'm seeing churches closed. So I revisited some statistics that are are not new statistics. I, I, I look because the Bible says if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. And we have seen in our lifetime, and, and a lot of it, I believe, is just because of the advent of social media and 24-7 news. We get to know everybody's business now. Um, I, I think pastors have always been human beings. Can you say amen? amen? And human beings, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I don't, I don't believe pastors are, are that much more scandalous uh, in this generation than they've ever been because you can read the Bible and, and see, Abraham was scandalous. You can read the Bible and see, King David was scandalous. You can read the Bible and, and, and find out that all the heroes uh, of the faith had issues because, uh, you know, preachers are people. But, man, we, we get to see on front page news, on the Internet, on TV, everything that these pastors go through. And it, listen, when Jimmy Swaggart fell, and I've told you this before, uh, over 75% of his church quit. And I'm like, well, why are they quitting? Were they going to church for him? And now they, now they found out that he wasn't perfect, so they quit. Same thing happened to Jim Baker. His whole ministry fell apart. Uh, and we've, we've seen this stuff play out in real time. And so a lot of these statistics, uh, they started talking about pastoral burnout and I can remember in Bible college when they when they taught on pastoral burnout when I was in a ministry class and I, I heard one one preacher he was old and crusty and he was just that you know that old school preaching hell hot and eternity long he was on fire for God and and he said listen to me all you lazy preachers in here I'd rather burn out than rust out he said y'all just sitting doing nothing y'all rusting on the sidelines and, and I thought man I'm gonna remember that and I've never forgot it but all these statistics a study from the Schaefer Institute of Christian Leadership reports that 1700 pastors leave the ministry each month uh, citing major causes depression uh, being overworked um, di different things um, but that's a lot that 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 is a lot and that's been going on for years pastor burnout is well documented and I thank God I feel refreshed I, I feel excited for what God is doing in my life um and so i thought okay well if if pastors are burning out and pastors are, are church members too what's going on with church members and uh 3700 churches a year and that number is low i've seen it higher but that that number is more consistent than the others i saw so i, I wrote it down 3700 churches a year shut down to never be a church again and I'm thinking, hmm, well, that's why we've got less people going to church and less churches to go to. 3,700. Now, I did the math on that. 
just try to break it down, make, make, make it more palatable. Uh, three, that's 307 or 308 churches every month in America that just shut down. They're not churches anymore. Uh, I, I broke that down even further. 71 churches a week, uh, every week in this country. They just used to be a church. Now, if you've been in Christ for any length of time, you know places that used to be a church that's not a church anymore. And you know pastors that used to be a pastor that's not. I have friends that have shut their church down. Pastors that I know in this, this city have shut their church. 71 a week. That's 10 a day. Every day in America. So today, on average, 10 churches will shut down. Now, it caused me to think about one of, one of, one of the questions that... Uh, Bishop got famous. He actually got put on the cover of Charisma Magazine for asking this question in a conference that the publisher of Charisma Magazine heard. Um, he, he asked pastors, if your church shut down today and ceased to exist, would anyone in your neighborhood weep? And that rattled people because most churches are only open on Sunday and Wednesday, and they're closed, locked up. Uh, vacant places for the whole rest of the week. No ministry going on during the week. Um, and, and I'm thankful to God. Listen, we're not the best church in the world. I ain't the best preacher in the world. We don't have the best facilities or the best parking lot. We don't have the best programs, and we don't even have the best people. But I'm going to tell, tell you one thing. If this church ceased to exist today, this neighborhood would miss us. Because there's ministry happening. There's people being fed. There's lives being changed. And you're a part of that. And I thank God for every, everybody that participates either through praying for us, giving into this ministry, serving, volunteering, making things happen. But with 71 churches closing every week in America, we need to understand there's some people running on empty. And it's not just pastors. It's, it's church folk. It's pew sitters. It's people in chairs. And, and I, I believe that the, the running out of spiritual gas is a process that people largely ignore. Running out of emotional vitality to be and to do all that God has called you to be and to do, I think is a process that most people largely ignore. And I want to tell you something. If you are not more fired up, I love the, I love the uh, statement that Dr. Harold Hudson made uh, many times in, in the pulpit of the Westside Baptist Church, uh, 7775 Herlong Road right here in the city of Jacksonville. He said this consistently. He talked about backsliding, and he said, listen, you don't have to be out there on drugs and alcohol to be backsliding. He said, if there's ever been a time in your life that you were more fired up for God than you are right now, you've slidden back. And everybody in the room should have grunted. Because if you can't say amen, you ought to at least say ouch or, or grunt or something. Uh, if, I, if I could just find out, if I could go around this room, if we had the time and the honesty in this room right now to ask everybody in this room, has there ever been a day, a time, a moment in your life when you were more fired up for God than you are right now? When you were more overflowing spiritually than you are right now? Has there ever been a time in your life 
where you were serving God, lo loving God, praising God, worshiping God, living right, giving right, doing right, acting right. Uh, has there ever been a time in your life where you were more filled with the love of God than you are right now? I think we'd have to say, ouch, and repent. Because if there's ever been a time where you were more fired up for God than you are this very minute, you have slidden back. And I've been trying to tell you for years um, that there, there's great news in, in all of the Scripture. God tells us that he's married to the backslider. God doesn't give up on you because you've slidden back. But there's also more great news. Not only does God keep loving us when we backslide, he's always willing to allow us to front slide. And it's time for some front sliding in the house of God. I made that word up, by the way. You never heard anybody else say that. I coined that phrase. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a patent on it and a copyright on it, and I'm going to sue everybody. Not really. But you need to front slide. You need to let God fill you up. So God led me to this passage of Scripture this week, and I want to just go through these six verses with you this morning and pull out some spiritual truth. Let's look back in our opening text. In Psalm 23, 1, David is speaking on the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, if you know the story of David, the life of David, you understand David had been a professional shepherd. He had spent time in his life being a shepherd. He understood shepherding. He understood what it took. He understood the, the, the benefits, the difficulties, the trials, and the tribulations. And shepherding was a profession in that day and age. If you ever saw that Chevy Chase, that corny, horrible Chevy Chase movie called Fletch, I know, I, Rick, I know you've seen Fletch. Uh, huh? Did you like it? Yet I thought that, that, that's a Douglas kind of movie right there. But one of the funniest lines in Fletch is when they asked him, the cops had him, and they asked him what did he do for a living, and he looked at them and, and deadpan said, I'm a shepherd. And I don't know why that makes me fall out every time he says it. There are no shepherds anymore. I mean, we don't, I mean I'm sure there are. Somebody's got to be doing it, but not, not on a regular basis that, that we're going to run into. But David knew what the life of a shepherd was. He knew that it was the job of the shepherd to give his life for the sheep. He knew that as a shepherd that if an uh, animal tried to attack or anyone tried to attack the sheep, he had to be able to show physical wounds in his body or kill the person attacking the sheep to even keep his job because they would have fired him and charged him for the loss of sheep. He understood the whole principle, all the intricacies of being a shepherd, and he makes this great statement in verse 1. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And I want us to look at these next five verses this morning to see all that God does for us so that we will be like David and we won't forget all God's benefits. I think one of the reasons Christians slide back, I think one of the reasons pastors who are Christians first and foremost slide back, I believe one of the reasons why we allow our spirituality to get drained and run on empty is because we forget how great God is. Because if you're remembering and rejoicing in how great God is, you won't slide back. If you're remembering and rejoicing in how great God is, you will do the things that are requisite to staying on fire for God. You will be filling your tank up constantly 
at the, 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 the fount of God, and we need to see all that God does for us. So David's rejoicing, and he knows he's been a shepherd, and he makes this declaration that the Lord is my shepherd, and he goes on from there and says, I shall not want. Now, if you've been here at all, you've probably heard me say, when you read the Bible, you need to pay attention to the punctuation. It will help you understand Scripture. Take it in small sections, bite-sized pieces, so you can get it down in your spirit, meditate on it, think about it. So when, when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I want you to understand there is a personal relationship that is required with God for you to even have salvation at all. And I'm wondering, is the Lord your shepherd? Is God your God? Is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because Jesus told his followers, I go to my God and your God, to my Father and your Father. Now, if you haven't learned this in life yet, you need to understand that everybody on the planet is not a child of God by birth. We become the children of God by the new birth. Jesus told people, that uh, some of them, that their father was his father. He told other people, you're of your father the devil. So everybody's not a child of God just but well, we're all the children of God. No, the Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. If, if you don't have a personal relationship with God through his son, then he's not your shepherd and he's not your God. But this relationship is required. I wonder how you're doing in your relationship with God. See, every relationship requires two, two, two main things uh, because relationships uh, need communication. And the communication is based on these two things, talking and listening. And to, to have a quality relationship with anybody, you have to have good communication. you got to talk to them, and you have to listen to them. And we talk to God primarily through prayer. We listen to God primarily through the reading of his word. And if you're not focusing on your communication with God, your relationship is struggling. As a pastor who spent decades counseling people, I laugh at some of the repetitive things they, they, they've become. We didn't have these words. In my lifetime, we, we just invented more words than any other time in human history. Uh, we, we've invented the word memes. There wasn't no, no, you, we didn't grow up. Nobody in this room over 30 grew up, uh, over 20 grew up knowing, knowing about memes. Some, some of y'all, Ashlyn, been having memes her whole life. She wouldn't know what life was like without memes. Uh, but... I, I, they, these things, these repetitive things have become memes because so many people have said them. One of them is, is like the, the woman complaining. He never tells me he loves me. And, and the man looks at her like, I told you I married you. I told you I love you when we got married. And, and, and the reason that's funny is because it's ridiculous. Because if you know anything about relationships, you can't just... Tell somebody you love them one time and expect that to last forever. You've got to invest in your relationship. You've got to invest through communication. And I wonder, how is your communication with God? How much time did you spend talking to God yesterday? Today? Did you say good morning to God before you got out of bed today? Uh, it was cold in my house this morning. I, 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 I laid in bed a few extra minutes and, 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 and spent some time talking to the Lord. Did you talk to God today before you came into this place? Have you been listening to God? Do you let God speak to you? David said, uh, I got this relationship 
with the Lord. He's my shepherd. And uh, he said, he went on to say in the next phrase, as we pay attention to the punctuation, I shall not want. Now, when, when I read scripture, I, I try to let God speak to me, and I try to look at some things, and, and, and if, if you learn how to study, things will jump out and make sense to you. When David said, I shall not want, and I've told you one, one of the greatest ways to understand scripture is to always try to understand it first uh, as it was written, to whom it was written. Don't try to speculate, but there are some things that are clearly inferred. So we talk about the law of inference as a Bible teaching church. And when David said, I shall not want, some Bible scholar in the room tell me, what might he be inferring when he says, I shall not want? Anybody? That others might, but he won't. That others might, but he won't. So there's some people in this room that, that would be able to say, because of the relationship with God that is personal to me, I don't have any want. I don't have any lack. I don't have any needs unmet. And there are people in this room that, that can say, I don't lack anything because God takes care of me. But there's other people in this room that are living in lack. There are other people in this room wanting. There are other people in this room. You have unfilled, unfulfilled needs that, that haven't been met, not because God won't meet them, but because either you haven't allowed him to meet them or you haven't positioned yourself to be blessed. See, there's a place of blessing and there's a place of non-blessing. Every good parent wants to bless their children, but some kids just ain't blessable. I tell my own kids that all the time. I'd do more for you if you just act right. It'd be more fun if you just line up. Listen, some kids are like, my parents are so mean. Listen, you're mean as them. <laughs> Acting like your parents don't do anything for you. Well, maybe you ain't worth being done for. Maybe you just won't, won't straighten up and fly right. Maybe you just won't do what you need to do to get blessed. And if you don't hear anything, hear this today. As a child of God, you need to get under the spout where the glory comes out more often. You need to get in a place where you let God bless you. And David, was, he was in that position. He knew God's my shepherd, and, and, and I, I don't want for anything. Why? Because it's the shepherd's job to take care of the sheep. And I'm going to tell you something. God's always about his business. What did Jesus say when, when Joseph and Mary were looking for him? When, when, when they realized they had left him behind and, and, and they haven't seen him and, and, and they found young Jesus. What, what did Jesus tell them? Didn't you know? I'm always about my father's business. God is always doing his business and I want you to make sure that you are doing the things that are required of you so you can live this life like David. Number one, get a relationship with God where you know he's the one taking care of you. And then lean on God so long that he fulfills every need that you have so you have lack of nothing. He, 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 he meets all my needs, David said. And I want you to know if you will position yourself as a believer, God will meet all your needs. He'll meet all your needs. If you're walking around with that gloom, despair, and agony on me, hee-haw lifestyle, if you're walking around, the first song my mama taught me, my mama's sitting right in this room right, right there, the first song my mama taught me in life. Now, understand, 
We were dysfunctional. Understand, we grew up unsaved like everybody else did. Uh, nobody in my family got saved as a child. Everybody came to Christ uh, as, as they, they were adults. Uh, so, you know, we had unsaved issues. We, we didn't have the Lord to lean on. It's why when my kids try, try to throw something at me and they're like, well, Dad, you did that. Uh, listen, if your kids ever tell you that you did something, remind them of this. Yeah, I did it, and I was unsaved, lost, hating God, hating myself, and on my way to hell. What's your excuse? If you got saved children, they don't get, they don't get to do what you did because they, 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 they ought to have a higher standard on them. But the first song my mama ever taught me and my sister, uh, well, it wasn't a good song. It just wasn't. Uh, but, but it's where so many people live. Um, and, and here it is. Y'all ready? Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll eat some worms. First bite the heads off, then suck the guts out. See how they wiggle and squirm. She's nodding her head back and forth singing as I'm, I'm trying. Uh, you ain't forgot that song yet, have you? Now, if you're living that nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll eat some worms lifestyle. You need Jesus. But the sad reality is, there are, reality is there are Christians in this room, Christians on this planet that are living a mindset of nobody loves me. Now, see, that's just the country uh, redneck hillbilly way of saying nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my Sorrow. You got it that bad? No, you don't. But there are people walking around acting like they've got it that bad. Netflix got a special coming out right now. Watch it if you want to. I got better things to do with my time. But Colin Kaepernick has, has put together a special where he, uh, a Netflix special that's coming out this, this coming month where he shows a bunch of NFL players that he's got to act with him in his Netflix special, and he shows them pretending to be at the NFL Combine, and then the, they flip it, and they show all these grown men in America uh, with shackles and chains on, and he said that the NFL is just modern-day slavery, and the coaches uh, and, and the uh, executives at the Combine uh, ain't nothing but slavers looking over us nitpicking our, our flaws to see how much money they want to pay for us. And I, I read some of, and listen, I only, I only read the comments from African Americans because there were too many hateful people commenting on this, on this Netflix thread that didn't make any sense. But I read the comments from some older African Americans, and they said, how dare you, young man, compare the millions of dollars. You're all begging for people to hire you into that job to make me. How dare you? Compare the atrocities that our ancestors faced to no fault of their own, and they didn't want to be picked by slavers. Right? But we got multi-million. Colin Kaepernick made over $40 million in the NFL and hundreds of millions of dollars in his lifetime, and he's still walking around bitter, and, and, and nobody knows. I tell you, no, we don't know. We sure don't know. And nobody in this room made $100 million in their lifetime. And listen to me. Uh, if you think there wouldn't be, if everybody that's all upset, everybody watches that Netflix special, all them athletes talking about this, 
This ain't nothing but modern day slavery. Well, well get out the way because a lot of people would sure love to have that job. I promise you, we get enough people out of the way, Elder Keon might shake the dust off his cleats and go out there and, and sign for a couple million dollars right now. <laughs> but it, so it doesn't, I mean, from, from my, my mom grew up in a difficult life. My mom grew up in a shack with no electricity, no running water, no toilet, uh, uh, on, on, on a dirt road, picking cotton her life, in her lifetime. Cotton and soybean is, is what her family farmed from. From that, from that level of people right now, from people who are, who are busted, disgusted, can't be trusted, broke as a joke, people with no money all the way up to multi-millionaire athletes in this country, we got people singing the blues. Because they got no relationship to the shepherd. And on the, on the flip side of that, we have some of the people who are the poorest in this country financially that are the richest in their faith and they're singing glory, glory, hallelujah since I laid my burdens down. So it, it don't matter, young, old, rich, poor, red, yellow, black, and white. You, you got to decide where are you at in your own mindset. Are, are you woe is me? Are you nobody knows? Are you gloom, despair, and agony on me? Or are you life don't work out for me? Or can you say like David, man, I got a relationship with the shepherd and my life is taken care of. See, too many people running on empty. Because they forgot how great it is to have God taking care of you. David is saying here, uh, I got a relationship with the creator. He meets all my needs and there's nothing lacking. Look in verse 2. He went on to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. What David's saying here is he gives me rest. And he gives me refreshing. Now, he said he makes me lie down in green pastures. I want to tell you something. Sometimes what you need is a little bit of sleep. I've said it for years. If the average Christian could just get three days of good sleep and nobody harassing them, whoo, change your life. If you could just, if you could just get the rest that you need, and I want to tell you something, God will give you a place of refreshing and restoration. God will allow you to get some rest. What's, what's the Bible say? He gives sweet sleep to his saints. If you got to take medication to get sleep or medication to get up, listen, so, now some of that's necessary. I ain't your doctor here, but I'm going to tell you something. We need to learn to lean on the Lord for energy and for sleep. And, and David said he makes me lie down in green pastures. There, there is a, a rest in the Lord that is missing. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and uh, I, I shared a statistic that I saw years ago that is still true today. It was a nutritional expert speaking, and I was rep, uh, selling, I was a sales rep for a uh, 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 supplement company back then, and, and I was learning a lot about medicine, and this nutritional expert was saying that the majority of Americans do not live and are not fueled by the things that God intended us to be fueled by, which is proper rest and proper nutrition. And Hippocrates said to let thy medicine be thy food, and thy food be thy medicine. 
that your body will take care of itself if you get the proper rest and the proper nutrition. This medical expert went on to say that studies showed that over 90% of Americans are not running on proper rest and nutrition. They're running solely on stress, adrenaline, and caffeine. Oh, how many of y'all believe there's people in this room that, that they're not running on right rest and right medicine? Well, well, they, they just got to throw two, two Red Bulls and a cup of coffee down. Oh, if I had time and I could go around the room right now, there are people in this room that would honestly admit, you don't even want to talk to me before I had my first cup of coffee in the morning. Then you, got, then you got people like me, never drank a cup of coffee in my life, but I drank about four liters of Mountain Dew, well, three liters of Mountain, uh, a Dr. Pepper a day, and caffeine don't have any effect on me. Some of y'all are like, oh, you know, I, ha- I have to have my last cup of coffee. I can't drink caffeine after 6 o'clock. It'll keep me up. Shoot. I'd be, I'd be sitting, I'm sitting in my recliner next to my bed drinking right out of a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper before I lay my head on. Uh, you, you overdo caffeine, it'll have no effect on you. But what's the moral of the story? God didn't design us to run on adrenaline and caffeine, Red Bull and coffee, caffeinated soft drinks and sugar. God designed us to run on nutrition and on rest. And if you don't trust God and let him lay you down and give you rest and refreshing, then you're going to be a statistic. I wonder what you're running on. Are you running on empty when it comes to spirituality, Christian energy, the true energy that God wants you to have? Or are you propping yourself up on Red Bull and caffeine? Oh, nobody wants to say amen. Don't, 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 don't make me start driving by your house looking in your recycle bin. Seeing 700 cans of Red Bull. I saw something the other day on, on, on YouTube, and, and it just shows the state of America. One of the most popular drinks, uh, one of the most popular mixers in America with alcohol has become Red Bull. Do you know how ignorant that is? If your favorite drink is Red Bull and vodka, Red Bull and any, listen, Red Bull is hyping you up. Alcohol is the depressant that's slowing you down. You're just a confusing your whole, you're like. <laughs> you're just like a zombie with ADD. But this is where America has come to. We're spiritually empty. We're running on empty. Folk burning out, churches shutting down, people giving up on God. What did the psalmist say? He makes me lie down. Listen, some of y'all just need to be made to rest. So I'm going to help you right now. Shut that TV off and close your eyes. Well, I can't fall asleep. Shut that technology off and close your eyes. Well, I just lay there and I think. Well, good for you. Lay there and think without the TV on. Lay there and think without the technology on. Maybe God will say something to you. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me. The psalmist knew what was what. He knows God could give him rest and refreshing. I come to tell you today, the same God that gave him rest and refreshing hadn't changed a bit, and he can give you rest and refreshing right now. Man, I tell you, I, I was talking to a friend of mine this week. We, we were talking about how old people look. Just old. And I'm like, man, I see people. I have to show my phone to my son. I'll be on social media. I see some dude I went to school with. I'll be like, 
does this even look like somebody that could be my age? And it's going to come a point where I'm going to have to stop asking my kids that because my kids are honest. Man, I, 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 saw, I saw something on the Internet this week. It's one of those short YouTube clips, and there's this lady off camera, and the man's just, he's leaning over the aisle, and he's drinking a cup of water. And, and she asked him, you know, one of them typical wife questions, ain't got no good answer. The man just got a liar, act like he didn't hear. And she says off camera, honey, will you still love me if I got fat? And, and he, he looked, he's like, sure. And in the background, you hear this little, little girl. She says, mommy, you're already fat. He spit water off. It was hilarious. God, I'm going to tell you what. They, they named the show. Kids say the darndest things. Why? Because kids will tell you the truth. I'm going to have to stop asking my kids. But I look at some of these people, and I'm like, man, you got half these people out here saying 50 is the new 30. You lying. 50 is still 50. And for some people, man, 50 looking rough. Why? Hard living, burning the candle. But listen, you can only push it for so long till it breaks. And the average person is running on empty, not getting the rest and the refreshing that God needs. I want to tell you something. There's rest in the Lord. Not just physical rest. There's emotional rest in the Lord. Not just emotional. There, 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 there is mental rest in God. You could stop worrying so much if you'd learn how to rest in God. I'll tell you what I told the staff. I told you a couple weeks ago. I told them, I told it to them in Spanish and I told it to them in Italian. Que sera, sera, and que sera, que sera. I give it to you in ghetto. It is what it is. Going to be what it's going to be. And if you would just learn that it is what it is and it's going to be what it's going to be because God is in charge and he knows what he, can, he is doing you could have some spiritual, emotional, and mental rest in your life. Stop stressing over everything and, and, and start depending on the Lord. The reason why David was able to walk in these blessings of God that so few people walk in today is because he had a personal relationship with the shepherd and he really believed that God meet, was going to meet all his needs. Look at verse 3. It says, he, I, I, I love all, the way all this starts with he. Because too much of what is being taught in churches today starts with me. I was watching some praise and worship music last night uh, online. And I just watched it just to see what was going on out there. I knew what I was going to see. Um, and and it, this, this, this one, I, I, I'm sure it's a favorite song. Uh, I don't even remember the words. I, I started to play the clip, but y'all, y'all, it would have took too much time. And y'all wouldn't have paid attention to it anyway. But it was some, some song. I am loved. I am blessed. Uh, uh, every every phrase of the song started with I am this and I am that. And it was everything that God was doing uh, for her and, and, and how great she was. And I'm thinking, man, I want to hear about what God is about, not what I'm about. We need to sing songs that honor God, not, not songs that puff us up. But I, I, as, I, as I was reading over this this morning, I was just so encouraged because all, all this puts puts all of the attention on what God is doing. And in verse 3, it said, He, 
restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So here we see that God can give you strength for your journey and he can guide you in the right path. Because if you don't trust in God, let me tell you something, our default switch is to run out of everything. The second law of, of thermodynamics is everything left to itself is, is in a state of degrading. If, if you put an apple outside, come back in six months, uh, it's not going to be in as good a shape as it wants to be. Now, some of y'all smarty, smart folk, y'all, y'all believe in that McDonald's burger is good 100 years. They, they say, well, you know, they found a McDonald's burger in, in a junkyard under a seat of a car, and it was 20 years old, and it was in the exact same shape. Uh, it hadn't degraded at all. I, you know, McDonald's ain't my go-to for hamburgers, but I tell you what I'll do. Anybody, you really believe that? I'll go and I'll buy two McDonald's hamburgers today. I'll eat one. I'll save one for you. I'll put it outside, and I'll leave it alone all week long, and then I'll bring it to you. I'll even put it on some fresh bread for you and see if you want to eat it. Things left to themselves go down. They don't go up. And if you're not leaning on God, if God's not constantly filling you up, I promise you, I don't even have to have you answer the question that's the title of the message, are you running on empty? I know you're, if God's not restoring your soul, you're running on empty. If God's not restoring, listen, if God's not blessing your money, you're going broke. Because the Bible says that if, if you don't honor God in your giving, he'll blow on your money and he'll put a hole in your pocket and he'll let your money make wings and fly away. If God is not restoring your soul, then you are running out of energy. So, so the, the psalmist says he gives me strength for my journey. I'm going to tell you something. You wouldn't be, uh, who, who was it? What, what, was it Hillary? She said, I don't feel no ways tired. Well, she looked tired, but that's a different story for a different time. But if God is restoring your soul, you're going to have the spiritual vitality required to navigate today's world. Because I'm going to tell you something. Life will suck the energy out of you. Life will take it from you. I, it, 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 I see it every week. You can get fired up for God in here. You can have personal quiet time, prayer, Bible study, uh, praise and worship at your house. You leave your house, you get on the road. How many of y'all know everything's trying to snatch your anointing away from you? Everything in this life is your kids, your family, your significant other, your spouse, it's your job, it's your, it's your employer or your employees. It's just life is coming at you. And if you're not letting God restore your soul, you wore out. That's why you look the way you look. And some of y'all just don't have sense that God gave a billy goat. Stop. And I, I just tell folks, I, I tell people all the time now, my go-to line. Um, and I, I wish Stacy was here, Coach, because she, she has told me to stop saying that. When, when, uh, whenever, whenever I see Stacy, she's like, how are you doing today, Pastor? I, I just, I've just gone to saying I'm old and tired. I'm just old and tired. How you doing? How you feeling today, Pastor? Old, you know why? Because I've been surrounded by church folk with no, with no social etiquette. Church people that ain't got no grace on their life. Church people that don't know how to come in and go out like Solomon did. Listen, stop telling anybody. I've had so many people say, are you okay, Pastor? You look tired. I just tell them, I don't look tired. I am tired. And I had so listen, 
here's what you're going to get from me, so make sure this ain't going to hurt your little feelings. Because now when people say, Pastor, you look tired. Are you feeling okay? I'm like, well, I am tired, but you look fat. <laughs> and they're like, people get mad. I'm like, oh, well, you said something negative about me. I figured I'd just throw something right back at you. You reap what you sow. See, I can get some sleep, but you're still going to be fat tomorrow. Mmm. You didn't like that, did you? People are like, y'all doing okay? Y'all look like y'all struggling in y'all's marriage. I should probably, how do you walk up to somebody and say that? But people do. You're like, I, don't, I, I can't imagine that. Some of y'all in this room walked up to me and said stuff like that. But I'm going to tell you this, if God is not restoring your soul, you're not just going to look tired, you're going to be tired. And it's not, you're just not going to be tired on the outside, you're going to be tired on the inside. See, I, I can't help you. I, I, I can't help you look better. It, it just, I already told you, case of rah, rah. It just is what it is. But I, I can sure encourage you in the Lord to make you, I can't make you look better on the outside, but I can help you look better on the inside. If you learn how to lean on God and let God meet your needs, uh, he can restore your soul. He, uh, the psalmist said, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Do you know if you're not following God, if you're not following God's leadership, if God's not the one leading you in your daily journey, journey you are not going to be on the path of righteousness. You're going to find your way to unrighteousness. Every city we've ever been in, we travel, uh, and I grew up you know, with no GPS, and I didn't like to break that Rand Mackinac. Y'all don't even know what that is. I didn't like to break that big atlas out and, and unfold maps, so I just developed an internal GPS. This ain't holy, but it's true. This ain't anything I aspired to. It just happened in the course of life. I can find the hood in any neighborhood in America. I can't. I don't even have, I can just ride around and have a gravitational pull to Florida Avenue. I just find myself on Avenue B in any city in America. Now, you know, for some of y'all that, that, that now some, some of y'all just live in this. Stop being shocked that America is a racist country. That's like being shocked that water is wet. Uh, stop being shocked by that. I mean, why, why are you shocked by that? Uh, and, and it's not that the whole country is, is racist because, you know, there, there, there's some Asians in the world that don't care nothing about anybody else. It's just that there's prejudiced people everywhere. But, man, if you need any case to, to prove racism, have, have you ever noticed when they tried to honor, uh, to me, one of my personal heroes and somebody that, that I, I, I mean, one of the reasons why I believe God put me in ministry is to help create racial harmony inside the Lord's church. I've been working for racial harmony inside the Lord's church forever, uh, and, and I, I really enjoy listening to Dr. King, and I believe Dr. King is one of the greatest Americans to ever live, uh, even though he had his own faults and he fought his own demons. You, you want to see real racism in effect. Uh, look at when, when America pretended like it wanted to honor a great American, and they named a street in, a, in every major city, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Side note, if you on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, lock your doors and keep driving. 
because uh, they, they decided, well, we, 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 we will backhand gift a little bit of honor by, by name. You know, any city you're in, anybody ever notice that? You find yourself on Dr. King, lock your doors. Don't stop and get gas on, on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. It, 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 it just is, is not the place to be. But I've got this, I've got this uh, still carrying over from, from back, back in my own day. Uh, I just find myself, we go riding around in cities, and my kids have asked me, Dad, why do we always end up in the worst part? How did you find, we, we just, let's just go for a ride. I, I just, boom. We were messing around one time. We were in Tampa, and we went to see uh, a, a, a sporting event in Tampa, and we were at a hotel. It was, a, it was like two miles away from the event, so we Ubered to it. So if you Uber to somewhere, you're supposed to Uber back because you don't have a car to ride in. And we were in Tampa, and um, we were staying in a really nice hotel, and the line was so long, and I'm like, you know what? Let's just, I, I, I feel okay. Let, let's just try to walk this out. Man, we messed around, walk, walked in the wrong direction for, for about an hour, uh, and, and then I knew when we walked across the railroad track. Listen, they don't just make that expression. You get on the other side of the railroad tracks, you've entered from something to something or out of something and into something. And, man, I, I couldn't get reception on my phone because I was about to call an Uber to come get us out of where we had just wandered into. What, what am I trying to tell you? You don't have to have an internal GPS for the ghetto, but if you are not being led by God onto the right path, you will find your feet in the wrong path. That's everybody. That is, listen, I promise you this. You, you can say, well, I'm not really following the Lord like I should be. I already know. You, don't, you, you, want, you might not admit that you're following unrighteousness, but you're walking toward it. The psalmist said, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. If you are not following closely to God, you're going to find yourself in a place you don't want to be. And that's why I tell you all the time, stop playing with sin. Stop, stop flirting on the edges. Stop drifting away from God. Re remember, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I promise you this. You get one, you get one eye off of God, you find yourself drifting. The psalmist said, he, he, he restores my soul. He gives me strength for my journey. He guides me on the right path. Listen to verse 4. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I, I believe what he's telling us, he's, he's always with me, and he comforts me with that rod and that staff. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but let's look at the first part of the verse. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, you can read commentaries on that, and you can get a lot of different insight into what that's talking about. But there was a specific path in those days that they called the valley of the shadow of death, and thugs like to hang out there. It, it was a highway of robbery. It, it was a place of, listen, there's still places like that in America today where you walk on the, wrong, on the wrong part of town. There's places in Baltimore. You go to Charm City and find out. You walk down certain sidewalks, they don't care who you are. Uh, they, they expect you to pay a toll for being on that sidewalk. You got to pay to walk through here because this, this ain't a free road for you. And this valley of the shadow of death was a place of, of thuggery. And, and David said, look, even, even if I'm walking on, in the worst area in town, no matter what I'm going through, I don't have to be scared for you 
are with me. Now, I told y'all, I ain't even going to get into it. Just remember J.J. and John Amos. J.J. was a coward, scared of everything. But when his daddy was there, he was selling wolf tickets, going to fight everybody. Had no fear when his father was there. How, how can he be that smart and we're not? How can you be scared of anything that life is bringing your way if you know God is with you? If you know you're on the winning side, how can you be so worried about the final score? If you know that uh, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, how can you really be concerned about what the world is going to do to you? you? I mean, if you don't get nothing out of this sermon, at least get a Reverend Ike mindset. Reverend Ike didn't tell much truth, but he did tell some truth. He said, I can't lose with what I use. And I'm going to tell you this, to all, all, all people that love me, all people that hate me, everybody loves you, everybody hates you, if you're on Team Jesus, you ought to be able to look everybody in the face and let them know, I can't lose with what I use. <laughs> do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. God is on my side. The, psalm, the psalmist said, look, yeah, no, I don't care what, what, what bad thing I got going on. I'm not scared because I know God is with me. This is the message that God has told through the prophets since the beginning. Be bold, be strong, because the Lord your God is with you. How in the world? Now, listen, some, some of it is it, 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 just my own thoughts. And some, there's some reality in some of it. I've always felt 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I've never been scared of anybody in my life so I, I'm not I'm not prone to that but there are some people you know some big strong huge dude walked in the room right now uh, or, or caught me in in the hallway and wanted to beat me up my, my natural mindset would would tell me you know just let's get it but their common sense would kick in at some point and I'd have to be like mm, I don't know it's Brock Lesnar uh, this, 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 is, this is a bad man right here but if I, had, if I had five of my biggest, strongest friends with me, I'd be like, man, you better sit your behind down before we hurt you. If you got the power on your side, you don't have to be scared of anything. And I want to tell you, child of God, you have the biggest, strongest power on your side because God is with you wherever you go. Start understanding that. Pray for me. I don't know. Is God with you? Now I'm going to pray for you and I understand emotionally we, 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 we get run down. Emotionally we get concerned. But I want you to be able to shake yourself and remind yourself God's on my side. God is on my side. You can be bold and you can be strong. You can fear no evil if you understand this one spiritual truth. God is with me. And then he said something that shepherds understand and that we need to understand today. He, he, he talked, talking to God, he said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, there's, there's some word play in there. Because if you understand what the shepherd did with his rod and what he did with his staff, uh, the sheep would have looked at him, side-eyed him, and said, uh, you, you, you comfort me with your rod and your staff? The, the rod was for discipline, uh, and the staff was for pulling closer. There, there, there's a discipline and there's a nurturing in 
in this relationship that we have with God. The rod uh, that the shepherd would use would be used to beat off attackers, wolves, prey, uh, predators that would come and try to harm the sheep. That was, that's the straight end of the stick. The curved end of the stick would be used to hook that sheep around his neck and pull it closer. Now, here's the thing. If you got a child who, who got a child? Okay, if Bliss grabbed Ashlyn by the neck right now and said, get over here. Quit, quit leaning, leaning away from me. Uh, that might not feel as comforting as if she grabbed her by the neck and said, let mommy hold. See, you understand that there's, there are two different ways to wrap, wrap your hand around somebody's neck and pull them close to you and hear me good. God does both. God does both. I believe if you're a real Christian, God's got a short chain on you. He'll only let you wander so far. If you can get all the way away from God, I don't believe you're God's to begin with. The scripture says they went out from us because they were not part of us. For if they had been part of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out from us that it might be made manifest that they were never part of us. See, people who are real a child of God, God will pull you close. And, and sometimes he pulls you close with that love and affection and uh, daddy just wants to love on you. Sometimes he wraps that stick around your neck and says, you better get back in this lane. But the psalmist said, either way, it comforts me. Rod of correction, discipline, and nurture. Rod of correction, the staff, discipline, and nurture. Do you know when a parent disciplines you? Listen, kids don't understand this. They're loving you. See, because parents that don't love their kids, they never discipline them. They just leave their kids alone, and them kids grow up to be horrible. And they end up in jail, and they end up with problems, they end up with issues because mom and daddy never corrected them. Listen. The rules are not there to hurt you. They're there to help you. They're there to save your life. Some, some of y'all just, uh, my, my kids, they, they, they would tell you, uh, my sister's heard me say this uh, a thousand times. My family, no, I, I don't know if anybody in this room even knows what the answer to this question is when we get out of here. I, I tell my kids all the time, we are blank people. We are rules people. And my kids know we are rules people. We don't, we don't do that. And so, some of y'all weren't raised to be rules people. My mama raised me to, uh, and, and put so much good things in me as a child. And one of the greatest things my mama ever put in me was to understand she was the boss and I wasn't. My mom didn't negotiate with me. My mom didn't, didn't sit down and try to explain every little thing to me. She gave me the greatest answer when I ever rose up to courage enough to ask her, but why? She said, because I said so. And that's some of the greatest teaching in the world. If you learn that there are people in charge and you have to do what you're told, that'll keep you out of a whole bunch of trouble in life. Some people just don't deal well with authority because they always, listen, some of y'all, if there was no speed limit, now if you've ever ridden with me, you know I don't speed. I ain't in a hurry. The party don't start till I get there. And I'm not trying to get a ticket. I'm not trying to burn all the gas out of my car. I'm just not, I'm just not going to be flying down the road. I like to keep a distance between me and the people around me. I'm a defensive driver. I like to, you know, I, mm, he's, I'm going to get over here. I'm going to fall back. Some of y'all, if there was no speed limit, you'd be blowing your engine up every time you got in the car, just flying down the road. Just lead footing it. Lead footing it. 
Deacon Scott wasn't even driving that fast, but 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 D- Dina, she she's nervous. She's a nervous passenger. Uh, if, if Scott would even get close to the to the, to the speed limit, she'd be like, "Okay, Leadfoot. Okay, Leadfoot." Some of y'all let some of y'all would be flying, and y'all think that speed limit just slow. Listen, that speed limit's there to save your life. That speed limit's there because because the government knows if they didn't put laws on your way, you would just live scandalous. The rules are not there to hurt you; they're there to keep you alive. The Bible says, "Whom the Lord loves, He disciplines." The Bible says, "If you don't, if, if God doesn't discipline, you're not even a true child of God." And the psalmist said that 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 rod that sometimes you hit me with that comforts me. See, a parent that doesn't love their kids, they just let them live any kind of way. The 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 the, the Bible says show, showing discipline is an act of love. It takes a lot of energy to be a good parent. God's a good parent. And that discipline is him loving us. I thank God he keeps a short leash on me. I thank God he disciplines me to wake me up before I drive all the way off the cliff. You need to learn how to embrace the rod and the staff. The psalmist said, they comfort me. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I'm going to close this up. We're out of time. But David said, uh, one translation said, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. I just think that's funny. God celebrates us even in front of our haters. Still standing. You need to let all your haters know. Still standing. Still loving the Lord. Still in church. Still serving God. Still sitting down for a feast with God every day. You can talk about me as much as you please. I'm going to talk about you on my knees. And I'm going to keep serving God. He said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. God, you just, you just sit me down to this big old feast all the time. And, and my haters just got to shake their head. Oh, he going to get his one day. Nah. Nope. Why? Because I'm covered in the grace of God. That don't mean bad things won't happen. But God's going to carry me through whatever bad things the world throws my way. Even in the presence of my enemies. And then he said this, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So here's what he said. You celebrate me in front of my haters. You tend to my wounds. And you fill my heart. I tell Christians all the time, you got to minister from the overflow. Parents, you got a parent from the overflow. Spouses, you got a spouse from the overflow. Employers, you got to employ from the overflow. Employees, you got to ease from the overflow. Why? Because if your cup's not running over and you don't have any overflow, then all that's coming out of your cup. You got to minister out of the overflow. You got to minister out of that uh, that little set that little settee uh, party. You got the cup and the saucer. The saucer is there to catch the overflow, the spilled part. And if you ever learn in life how to drink from the saucer because your cup has overflowed, you're going to realize how good you've got life. If you ever realize that you're going to keep getting your cup 
filled up and you're only going to give to others what's in the saucer, you're going to be able to keep your cup on full. Because here's the reality. Your kids, your life, your job, this traffic, uh, the government, politics, television, media, all are trying to drain your cup. Protect your cup. Keep your cup under the spout where the glory comes out. Let God always be pouring into you so much that it's overflowing, and then you got enough to give away. You can't have what's in my cup. I already tried that. I tried ministering 24-7. I tried giving my everything to people, and, and I felt myself running empty. I found myself running dry, and I made a decision. You're going to get in the overflow from me. I, 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 I got I to stay, stay alone with God. I got to stay with God the majority of the time. I come out from God to be around human beings. And if you're going to pull on me, you're going to get what's in the saucer because what's in the cup is mine. He said, my cup overflows. Hear, hear me good. I asked if you're running on empty. If, you don't have, if, you're, if your cup's not overflowing, you're either running on empty or you're going to run on empty. And you're in for a crash and you're in... For a hard time, you make sure that you only, listen, only parent out of the overflow. Get away from your kids and get in your prayer closet. Only give your, your company out of the overflow. I know some people, you're killing yourself for your company. They, they don't get all of you. They, they shouldn't get your cup. They should only get your overflow. The only person that should get all of you is God. Everybody else should just get the overflow. Everybody else should just get what's left over. Everybody else, listen, make sure. Every time you pass by the Lord, you hold that cup out. You get these waitresses, they come by and they're asking people, would you like a refill? Yeah, I sure do. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, right now. Fill it all the way up because I'm not trying to run out. Some of y'all need you to lift y'all's cup up to the Lord and let him fill it up. The reason you're running on empty is because you've been giving out of your cup to your family, to your job, to your worry, to whatever. You got to get to the place that the psalmist was, to where your cup is overflowing. Last verse, verse six, he says, "Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Get this, and we'll go. God is good to us, and He's merciful to us. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When you start realizing how good God is to you, you grow bitter on life and your cup gets a hole in it. Stop focusing on what you do have and start thinking of what you don't have and start thanking God for what you do have. Stop complaining about what's not going right and start praising God for all that He's done and all that He is. Stop worrying about all the things that you don't agree with about this, that, and the other thing. Well, I'm just tired of my family. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. The government, the, the, all, all this. Stop with that. You're draining your own cup. Start getting closer to God. Spend more time with the one who wants to fill you up to overflowing. Because if you don't, you're going to run on empty. And eventually, your whole system's going to break. And you can prevent that. Some of y'all right now, you're this close to a breakdown, and you don't even know it. Listen, if you know you're this close to a breakdown and you're not doing something about it, you're in more danger than you think. 
Get alone with God and let him fill your cup up. Get alone with God. Spend time with God. Get in the word. Get in, start talking to God more. Listen to more praise and worship song. Get your cup full because life is going to pull on you. And if you're not giving out of the overflow, then you're running on empty. And the way to continue to do that is by always remembering how good God is and how merciful God is. And he finished by saying this, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, the psalmist realized God has a place for him. God has a home for him. God wants him to live where God lives. See, some of y'all want y'all's babies to live in your house forever. You'll grow out of that. But God won't. God wants us to live with him forever. Some of y'all run from God, try to get away from God, try to go do you, do your own thing. You're going to run on empty. And you just need to get back to the Father's house. What did that prodigal son say when he came to himself in that pig pen? He said, there's plenty of food in my father's house. I'm out here starving. There's still plenty of food in the father's house. God has everything you need. You just got to spend enough time with him. I want you to stop running on empty. I want you to spend more time with God and let him keep you full. I want you to let God keep you so full that you've got plenty, that your cup is overflowing, and you can just give to everybody. You got extra money you can give away. You got extra joy you can give away. You got extra patience you can give away. You got extra peace. If you find yourself saying, oh, they're trying my patience. Well, you're short on patience. Because they took it out of your cup. Get your cup filled back. Only let them have what's in the saucer. So you don't ever run on empty. Oh, I wish we had time. And honesty to deal with this. Because some of you are running on empty and you won't admit it. You just think you'll fake your way through it. Push your way through it. Just man up and just force your way through it. No matter how determined you are, how strong-willed you are, how capable you are, how good you are, when the car's out of gas... It's just out of gas. You've been pushing your life so hard for so long. Won't you rest in the Lord? Won't you take today and reread the 23rd Psalm? Why don't you take this week and, and just meditate on the 23rd Psalm? All these things the psalmist says, he does these things for me. The same God that did it for David can do it for us. See, but David knew that the sheep needed to be totally dependent on the shepherd. They didn't know where they were going to eat that day. The shepherd decided what they were going to eat. They didn't know how far they were going to have to walk that day. The shepherd decided how far to walk them. They didn't have to worry about who was going to protect them. The shepherd's job was to protect them. Is God your shepherd? If he is, make sure that he's keeping you well fed. Because there's still a journey in front of you. You still got miles to travel. There's still life for you to live. And you need to let God fill you up to the overflow. Pray with me, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being our shepherd. 
God, I pray that you would help us to realize you are our need meter. You're our protector. God, I thank you for being that cleft in the rock. And I thank you, God, for giving us shade in the heat and warmth in the cold. God, I thank you for taking care of us as your children. God, I pray for each person in this room, God, that you would let us keep our cup close to your fountain. Be our source. Be our supply. You are my portion, God. And I pray, Lord, that you give us strength for our journey and grace for our race. God, I pray for each person in this room who is unsaved, Lord, that you would draw them to true salvation. And for every real Christian in this room, God, I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit. Teach us to rely on you and you alone in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.